everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. It's been a while since we last recorded. Sorry about that. You know, <laughs> things happen. Um, It's been, you know, quiet off-season, though. It's not like there's anything to talk about, so it'll be a short episode. Gab, what are you drinking? I just... <laughs> uh, I'm enjoying water. Uh, I just got out of the gym. Um, it's been a while because... Last time we recorded, I'm pretty sure both of us got pretty hammered. What was the last time we were together? Was it the semifinal in Portland? No, it was at Lowell Woodrow's in Houston. Oh, it was at the final final. Yeah, it was at the final final, the night before the final, remember? When we couldn't figure out how to fucking upload a recording from my phone without being at a desktop. Yeah, and we posted a short little episode. I now I remember. That was fun. <laughs> that that was the last time we we recorded. Um tonight, what are you enjoying? Also water. I have a stomach bug. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. No, you shouldn't laugh or else I'm going to put the contents of the stomach bug in a plastic bag and mail them to you. Well, I don't open um suspicious packages from Boston. <laughs> They're all suspicious when they come from me. Boston. I, I don't think I've ever gotten a package from you. Sorry. You've Sorry. got you've gotten packages from me before. No, I'm not. <laughs> you've totally gotten special deliveries. This very sounds like a very unequal relationship. From me to you. <laughs> just just a receiver, not a giver here, I guess. You you are a receiver. That's for sure. Anyway. Um, yeah, so quiet off-season. I'm, I'm really, really wondering when some of the like off-season shit is going to hit the fan. It already did, bro. It already did. <laughs> right? It's just all oh over my the God. walls now. God. The moment Dan Laletta revealed that Krieger was thinking about leaving the spirit, and then today when the spirit were like, you want to leave? Fine, leave. <laughs> Dan's such an instigator. That's what I think happened. Um, because look <laughs> that's at... Your, that's your theory? Yeah. Look at what Washington got for her, though. All they did was they got bumped up in the allocation order. Uh, they didn't get international spots. They didn't get draft picks. Not even for 2018 instead of 2017. They got nothing. This So th what they're betting is that somebody is going to come onto the table, right, in 2017 who's also not going to go through the draft, who's going to be allocated. Right. They're they're hoping that Pew is still going to want to play at some point. And that they're the going to get first chomp at Pew, because they're not even mm -hmm. number one. Right? They're, they're going to get whoever is Pew's, like, number two. Yeah. So they're, they're, going, they're going number two after Boston. And if Boston didn't pick Pew... Now, Boston right now has a lot of forwards they have three international mm -hmm. forwards but no allocated players it would be interesting if boston picked pew and then made her like a number 10 does boston really have that though a number 10 no N the number one yeah i believe we're number one in allocation order not the draft order allocation order right yeah i think we're number one in allocation order when did you guys get that I don't know, for being pathetic? No, I'm pretty sure Portland has that. Oh, maybe they do. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure Portland has that because we really, really, really wanted Pew. Oh, maybe Boston traded theirs away. And so we made that horrible trade at the draft. Yeah. To okay. get that number one. So that's why I was like, wait, how did Boston get that? Because I'm pretty sure Portland holds we that We sneaked card. into your offices at night and stole it. <laughs> what was what was that you were saying earlier about needing charts and graphs and whiteboards? Mm. Yeah, so look at what they got for Krieger. And when you look at the article that came out in the Washington Post, it says... With a great photo. That's actually a great photo. I know, I laughed really hard. <laughs> oh my god. The article in the Washington Post... Um, says that Krieger was told by the Pride, not by her own team, that she was being traded. And there are a lot of hints at some deep unsatisfaction going on in that team. Like, I mean, they have a, a an anonymous source that said, um, asked if it was fair to say the players are not happy with management in general. One source close to the situation said, yes, very fair. And then Dunn, Crystal Dunn, is being rumored to want to go to Europe. So between Krieger and Dunn, two marquee players for the team leaving at the same time, God, it would be like FC Casey, except with FC Casey, it was all, you know, bad timing and, and accidents, not the team and the owner splitting up because maybe one of them might be a jerk. Who knows? <sighs> not one of them. Like, the owner's a jerk. I think by now people have traced a lot of this back to... um Maybe it wasn't the only straw, but it was certainly the most recent biggest straw was the whole anthem kerfuffle with Megan Rapinoe kneeling and Lynch not playing the anthem and, and so on and so on. And you might have remembered the players got together and wrote a letter that they released together that was like, actually, Megan Rapinoe can do what she wants because, you know, blah, blah, blah. Basically, they stood up and said, we actually disagree with our team and the move and... Yep, and Allie Krieger was at the forefront because she had, at that time, the power to do so. But it's so weird now. Anne O'Dong had a great tweet today that was like, in 2015, she was considered, you know, the best right back in the world, or one of. And she's the leader of the Washington Spirit, uh, a team that made the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jill Ellis doesn't seem to rate her at all. And her own team owners dropping her for seemingly very petty reasons. Like, ugh. 2016 has taken so much from us, Gab. 2016 has been a rough year uh, in a lot of different arenas. Um, Allie Krieger has had a rough fucking year. I, I would I would argue most uh, players on the U.S. Women's National Team, like, this is probably a year they would love to scrub. But Allie Krieger, man. NWSL final, Olympics, getting dropped from being a starter... I don't know. It's there. She's, she's had a lot going on. Yeah. But I mean, I saw things about how she was shopping around for teams and wanted to play for like, I, I guess I'm, I've been so disconnected that I don't really know what's like rumor and what's true, but something about how she wanted to play, like she wanted to play for a team whose home field was real grass. Well, that was when she was considering, I think Portland and Seattle were very interested and she was like, oh, but I don't like the field, something like that. I don't know how much of that is true. I do I'm know. I'm just saying Mark Parsons, step it up, man. <laughs> I do. I don't know, no, but I have a very strong feeling 
Allie Krieger wanted to stay with the spirit and try for another chance. She wanted to retire there. I think she wanted to retire as a as a spirit, as a player for the spirit. <laughs> Stop it. Well, I don't know what you call an individual because you can say you're a breaker, right? You're a thorn, I you're guess. A thorn. Yeah. Okay. Stuff like that, but as you know, these as more a member of the spirit. These more intangible concepts <laughs> or or, you know, amorphous entities. <laughs> what is a singular version you know, of spirit? You can be a red star, but you can't be a sky blue. You can't be a rain. You can't be a... Anyway, sorry. (laughs) She wanted to retire wearing that spirit jersey. She was the captain. I think she was very emotionally invested in the team, especially after this season when they were literally 30 seconds from a championship. God, that was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. That was heartbreaking to watch standing amongst the spirit. Felt so bad for them. So... That's my take on it. I think there's been a lot of hints dropped in the press that kind of support this supposition. I wonder if Allie's going to come out and say anything about it or, you know what, she's a nice person and she's very professional, so I doubt she will. Right. She's she's a nice person, very professional, but holy fuck, NWSL, way to create rivalries. Mm -hmm. Now the question is, she's too valuable not to start. So how is Tom Sermani going to use her? Well, I mean, I have a feeling the Pride are going to see a lot of shifts happening. Uh-huh. Um, there's going to be a, a lot of movement. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Spermani uses her as collateral. Oh, you think she's not going to stay in Orlando and he's going to leverage her into a better trade for them? Maybe. That is interesting. I mean, she obviously has, like, no control over how her career path is going. That's so sad, too. On the one hand, it's such a... It's like we complain a lot about national team players being able to do whatever the fuck they want. But on the other hand, she should have some say in where she goes. Should she, though? She should have her say and be like, I want this and this and this. Like, you can at least list, like, your top three or four options. You can't demand one and one only i don't think that's right but you should be right. able to i have mean some say her, she's she's not screwed by going to orlando no no definitely not it's a good club she'll have a good coach she'll have you know good people there i mean it's not like she's getting banished to like western new york Ooh. who knows that's you know a top destination now they <laughs> they can put a star on their crest they can. They can. Only a few teams can do that. <laughs> only, and they are part of three. that elite group now. Portland, FCKC, and now Western New York Flash. Way to go, Paul Riley. And soon to be Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, yes. I got I got to cling to something in order to get through the winter. All right, it's rough up here in it's Boston. It's okay. You can you can cling to that. Oh, speaking of cling, right. Megan Klingenberg and Jaylene Hinkle both ruled out of the November women's national team camp with injury. Klings is back and Hinkle, I think, is, they said, lingering ankle injury. Now, here's something that was posited to me, though, which was, are they really injured or are they getting kicked out of camp? Why would they get kicked out of camp, though? Like, why would Megan Klingenberg get kicked out of camp? I don't know. The question was, like, is she really injured or is Kling, like on her way to being fired 
But then why not just not call her in in the first place? Right. Like, again, why would Megan Klingenberg get kicked out of camp? I don't know. Injury's plausible, too. I thought it was interesting who they called in to replace them. Jess McDonald and Emily Mengees. Do you want to talk about Mengees? Yeah. um, So Mengees is a Portland thorn. Um, She totally deserving of it. Um, She's been the anchor on the back line for Portland now for two, three seasons. Um, And she really... had a banner season, a uh, banner year. Um, the Portland sports group, Rosie Riveters named her their uh, player of the year. So um, she's, it's just one of those examples. I, I think Jess McDonald is also one, but it's, it's nice to see defenders getting a call up like that. Um, especially, you know, she wasn't part of a team that like made it to the final. She, uh, but she definitely has, had a huge impact on the type of soccer that Portland plays. Um, so I think it's very well-deserving, and I might actually tune into, tune into those games now. So she's a CB being called in with Julie Johnston, Becky Sauerbrunn, and Abby Dahlkemper. What do you think the odds are that she'll get time against Romania? I think pretty good odds. Yeah, uh, I think the way Jill Ellis has been playing teams – so far, uh, this fall has is really pointing towards um, her just really expanding the number of players that have caps, uh, the number of players who are getting some international experience. Um, it's a really interesting move what Jill Ellis is doing because I think we talked online about it a lot um, back with the Romania call-up, or not the Romania games, but... um, Netherlands. The Netherlands games, uh, right after the NWSL final, um, about how this is all just stuff that U.S. soccer has been needing to do for at least one cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, This didn't happen after the last cycle, mainly because we had the fucking victory tour or whatever we called it where the the teams you know kept playing like everybody wanted to see the olympians for the rest of the year and then we went straight into the algarve cup and the fucking cycle never broke i don't know i think it's great i think it's interesting because i think ellis will stick with that three five two that she's experimenting with which means Mm -hmm. I think Mengiz could fit into that system. It might play out where Ellis puts in, I don't know, I could see Sauerbrunn, Mengiz, and Dahlkemper at, in, you know, as the back three, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I wonder if she'll give Casey Short more time. Short was okay. I, she didn't super stand out to me against the Netherlands. But then again, it's two games. She's at the very beginning. I think people need, they deserve time to settle in and, and try over a series of, you know, various games against various opponents in various camps. I don't know. I really don't know. I think it, odds are good we'll see Dahl Kemper in short. I just don't know about Mengis. I don't even yeah. know about Krieger. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Not knowing Valley Krieger will get time? It's, I'm well, I, but it's not un 
unusual at this point in for this year. Yeah, that's true. You know, there have been plenty of times that Krieger's been called into camp and she just hasn't played for whatever reason. But I don't think it's been but alarming. At this, per time, se. at this time last year, though, can you imagine either of us going like, oh, Allie Krieger might not play? Yeah, Allie Krieger's disposable. <laughs> like, no, she's she's not fucking disposable. She just, I don't know, she's in a shitty situation. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, though, she is 32. So... Why you gotta, why you gotta bring age into it? She, you know, not everybody is Christine Lilly or Christy Rampone. I don't think she's shown too many signs of slowing down, but... <laughs> You know, are you going to bank on her being as good and as sharp at 36 as she is at 32? Or do you want to invest in new defenders now who are like 23 and 24? Well, I mean, let's talk a little bit about who the other uh, replacement player is. Jess McDonald? Because isn't she 29 or 30 now? I think Jess McDonald is like 30. Yeah, she's not a spring chicken, and she's a forward, too. Right, right. So, so you know, you're talking about Krieger and how she is on the older side of the spectrum. But, I mean, Jill Ellis called in Jess McDonald. And she's intent on, it seems, making Allie Long some kind of centerpiece. And Long's not young, either. No, but Long... I mean, Long and Jess McDonald are... Allie Long is 29. Is Jess McDonald really 29? She's 28. Jess McDonald's 28? She's only 28. Ooh, I apologize, Jess McDonald. Jess McDonald, Jess McDonald is younger than Allie Long? Yes, she is. Dude. Well, maybe in that case, it's not that far-fetched. Wait, hold on. How old is Tobin Heath? I think she's... She's 28. Yeah. Jess McDonald's the same age as Tobin Heath. My brain just exploded. <laughs> I do think there's something to say for not every single player who gets called in needs to be 22. If Jill Ellis wants to look at one or two players who she thinks could help until 2019 and then just kind of be dropped after that, I think there's a little bit of room for that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's plenty of players right now who are in their late 20s approaching 30 that I think actually maybe there may not be that much wiggle room which once again makes me kind of hesitant about Jess McDonald because look who else is getting called in in the forward level um it's Kalia Ohai and Mallory Pugh you know and Lynn Williams I just don't know how much room there is for Jess McDonald how many players does Jill Ellis call in these days like 23 still right it's 24 for this camp 24 mm-hmm. so and then only like 20 are going to dress. Or 18. I think 18 will dress. So, you know, that's just kind of the reality of the situation. We're used to the players that we're, we're used to there being an exterior bubble and an interior bubble. And, you know, the number of players, like, we just kind of gauge where players fall by how often they get called into camp and, and when they make the, the rosters. But, you know, Jess McDonald is on fire. We already saw what, oh my God, Lynn Williams, right? Mm -hmm. On fire. Like, you can't have, give them a chance. What can Jess McDonald and Lynn Williams do when they're on the pitch together? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, 
it's against Romania. We're still in 2016. If she has the spot, I get. I guess. I'm not. I'm not saying Jess McDonald doesn't deserve it right now, and I. I'm actually probably kind of intrigued to see how she and I hope Lynn Williams do. I. I think I want to see them in the three-five-two together. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, Jill's goal of I want to set up, get everything in place for the next cycle for the next four to eight years you know the amount of time that she, the proportion of her resources that seem to be going towards older players seems to contradict that a little bit that's just well, how it seems to me yeah uh, you're right you're right like if she's if she's thinking long term and wanting to um set things up for the next eight years but she also needs to just have a competitive camp that's fair yeah that's fair you know, and if, like, if as she believes she can have some veteran players at least providing some leadership, I mean, we don't have as many vets on the team as we used to. No, that's true. So she might be just looking for some additional leadership. In terms of this Romania camp, I'd say in terms of veteran leadership, there's Ali Krieger, Becky Sauerbrunn. Maybe Heath, uh, Megan Rapino, sort of Alex Morgan by, by now, and yeah, that's that's it. Because Carly Lloyd's out to get married, right? She, when the way you say that makes it sound like she's out, she's out to get someone. <laughs> she's out. She, she doesn't she's have a boyfriend or fiance. No partner. She just decided <laughs> she wanted to get married, and like in true Carly Lloyd fashion, she said, "Well, I'm gonna take November, find someone, and just nail him down." No, what she what Carly Lloyd decided to do was say, I'm never going to get I'm never going to find somebody better than myself. So <laughs> having a commitment ceremony to myself. Wasn't this a plot line in Glee? Not that I'm admitting I ever watched Glee, but didn't a character, I watched the first season. I think a character on that show married herself. Maybe I would imagine it would probably be like the teacher lady. No, she married the teacher guy. I think it was Jane Lynch's character. Oh, really? She married herself? She might have. I think there was some kind of metaphor for crippling loneliness in there somewhere. Mm. I don't remember. I've blocked out a lot of that. I don't like to admit to doing any of this. That's a, It was a dark time. Well, you know, we, we, all, we all fell into the trap that was what Glee set for all of us. At least I quit. We fell, we fell in. It was just... Some of us fell a little bit deeper than I, others. I quit a couple of years before the end, at least. I just, you know. Ugh. I quit when they started going to college, but then the show still focused on, like, high school. Yeah, I think I stuck with it for that kind of halfway through that first season or so where they tried to, like, split them up. And I was like, why? Like, either, like, refresh the whole cast and just stick with the original premise or follow the original characters. But don't, like, this weird hybrid where you're too afraid to leave like the original people that made the show famous or whatever. It's not, you know, they were chicken shits well, about it and it ruined them. It's, it's like I watched Saved by the Bell and I watched Saved by the Bell when the college years, but I never watched Saved by the Bell, the new class. <laughs> and I think I ruined Glee by never watching Saved by the Bell, the new class. The college years were saved by the bell. Wasn't that bad? It was a decent show, I thought. It wasn't it just one year? Like Zach and Kelly got married after that season. They had like a special to do. For, yeah, like, Zach they and Kelly they like road trip to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Wow, we are. 
I did not expect this to go here in this episode. Anyway, I, I think I think if I go to my parents' house, I still have uh, the the Vegas road trip on VHS. Oh, VHS, kids, VHS was a system we used <laughs> before we had DVDs, <laughs> which was before we had DVRs. Uh, yeah, everything's digital now. So, which it was before we had torrents or whatever. Yeah, no, we probably had torrents between D- DVD and DVR. I don't know the history of Torrance, and I'm not getting into it. I want to talk about Jill Ellis. <laughs> All right, fine. Okay. Let's, let's do it. So, first, Jill Ellis is uh, doing this whole 352 thing. I, they weren't just missing, you know, one or two big names. I think their roster was missing a big chunk of, of starters and stuff beyond uh, Ramona Bachman. Like, just when they got one player back, when they got Dickman back, and they hit us with that first goal in the second game, I think it was obvious that there are weaknesses there. So against a good team, the three-five-two is probably not the way to go because they hit you in those spaces if you're not careful. Um, but it's an interesting experiment for now that I'm willing to see, especially against Romania. Let's see how it goes. But... Uh, the second thing with Jill Ellis is she's on this list of 10 coaches nominated for FIFA's best women's coach for 2016. And this mm-hmm. used to be the Blonde Or, but I think France took back the Blonde Or to like be their own award. And so FIFA's like, okay, we'll call our award the best. I was like, really? That's the best you can come up with? You would imagine it would be at least like the Swiss version of that. Yeah. Well, they speak French in Switzerland. Okay, it would be the French version of that. <laughs> the French version of the French term? Oh, the, the French best? version of the best. Le meilleur, I think. Is that what it's called then? Uh, uh, that's the, I believe that's the French word for the best, but... Well, I know, but is that what the award's called? Oh, I just saw it on Twitter and they just said the best. I don't think it's God, Le meilleur. that sucks. Because, like, what does Balloon d'Or stand for? Golden ball? Ball of Yeah, gold? the golden ball winner. Yeah. Okay. Like, Golden Ball sounds dumb. Like, Golden Ball is something that I would make fun of every single year if I knew that's what it was called. <laughs> but because it's blonde or it's it's fancy. It's French. Right? Right? It's so like... when we call Jill Ellis potentially winning the best, <laughs> it's the I would like to call it the French term so it actually sounds fancy. You're like that Eddie Izzard routine where he's talking about the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves and he's like... <laughs> Well, which in France was called La Vitesse, or it should have been, but in fact it was just called Speed. <laughs> Speed. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she's on this list. It's her, Philippe Bergeroux, from the French national team, although he got fired in September. Uh, John Herdman, Canada. Sylvia Nye, Germany. Vera Powell, um, South Africa. Although I think she was dismissed from the South African national team recently as well. And then Gerard Preschur, Olympic Lyon, Pia Sundaga, Sweden, uh, Osvaldo Vidal from Brazil national team, Martina Voss-Tecklenburg, Switzerland, and then Thomas Vorl. I've never figured out how to pronounce his last name. Vorl? Vorl? The umlauts get me. From Bayern. So that's quite a list. There's some. Very- you know who I'm surprised not is not on that list? Who? Paul Riley. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your... Damn, shut hell your mouth. <laughs> Sorry, I breathed into the mic. 
I mean, going by clubs, he did get his team past a bunch of teams that were highly rated to beat the stuffing out of him. And The best games, he wasn't even on the sideline. <laughs> Their so you... best games. Are you he saying was... assistant coach Scott Vallow should be on this list instead? Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, Jill Ellis not going to win. Doesn't deserve to win. Definitely not this year. A lot of fuck-ups. List doesn't mean a anything. A lot of fuck-ups. Some good names on it, but you got fucking Philippe Bergeroux on there. France under him did, you know, become a pretty good-looking team, but they were a good-looking team that couldn't produce results. Well, that's just France, though, Aww. unfortunately. Aww. Right? Maybe, a little bit. Am I right or am I right? I think what happens is every year, if there's a major tournament, people just look at the tournament results and whoever won, they win. So I think Nide's the top contender to win here. Right. Until women's soccer grows more popular or FIFA figures out how to do voting better. Yeah. Like it, it, every year, every year, it's the exact same issues with with voting and people just it's a popularity contest. I almost think top three, because we'll see the top three votes, I think it's going to reflect the medal count almost. It's going to be Nide, Sundaga, Herdman. Oh, probably, yeah. Yeah. Unless people, more people recognize Ellis's name over John Herdman's. Maybe. She hasn't really been in charge of a program that long. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, if you guys can think of any other coaches who should be on this list that aren't, you can leave them in the comments. FIFA's just dumb. FIFA is dumb. I wish we could burn it to the ground and build it from scratch with the right people in charge. Right. Hillary Clinton should run for FIFA when she loses the presidency. Why would you do it? You have cursed people before. Like, th <laughs> I think you're the reason why the spirit lost in the first place. Stop it. Oh my god. Why would you? Remember when Portland? Oh my god. Okay. Stop. You stop it. God. <laughs> you can cut that out. You don't have to let no, it. No, I'm going to keep it world. in so people know how bad you are. No, you can you can cut it out. I'm you, not cutting you, it out. You have editing powers. I do have editing powers and I want people to know how bad you are. <laughs> oh boy. God. She's not going to lose. Anyway, well, that was kind of the big stuff happening in at least American women's soccer. There's there's more stuff going on worldwide, as usual. But we did want to mention that the Australian W League is going to be on ESPN3 this season. It's their ninth season, I believe. And when does that start? I believe that begins this weekend, Saturday. I believe. I think it opens with Brisbane versus Sydney. Cool. Yeah, And so that's on ESPN3, which is also an online service of ESPN. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have been talking about how W League got kind of a TV deal before NWSL did. But what happened was they came packaged with the, the men's A League deal. So they kind of got, you know, they came in on that. But at the same time, that has a lesson there for NWSL and uh, Saki United Marketing and USSF, which is, why don't they package their deals? Like, why can't they say, well, if you want 
MLS or these women's national team or men's national team games, you have to take a certain number of NWSL games too. Yeah, it sounds like a no-brainer. And what an organization like Soccer United Marketing should already be working on. But some seems kind of not that interested in, you know, boosting the women's game or properly attributing success to women's teams. That's weird. Uh, As we saw from, I don't know how much you guys saw, but two senators who are supporting equal pay, equal play, uh, wrote a letter to some going, hey, you know, it would be cool if you could break down in your, in the money, like how much money comes from the women's national team and how much comes from the men's national team. Because then we could see, you know, the effects of marketing and stuff like that. And right. I, you know, some's never going to give that up. So I don't think we'll ever know. So to close out the episode, you want to do some score predictions? The United States plays Romania on November 10th and November 13th. Yes. Where's the first one at? The first one's at Avaya in San Jose, and the second one is at StubHub Center in Carson. They're both California. I think the event in San Jose, I think that one's going to be four to nothing Romania. (laughs) Four to nothing Romania. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said that backwards. <laughs> Wouldn't that be four, interesting, four, though? Four to nothing USA. Okay. Um, Your turn. I think that game was going to be five to nothing United States. All right. The second game, I think, is going to be three to one. I'm going to say four to nothing United States. God damn it. Yeah. I can't agree on anything. <laughs> There's no hope for us. It would be boring if we agreed on everything all the time. We wouldn't fight anyone. I know. Last time we agreed, look what happened to the spirit. Oh my god. I mean, we called it. We almost, we basically called it. We ruined it for the spirit. I'm really we sorry, We absolutely ruined it for the spirit. I'm, we should not be allowed to ever go to finals ever don't, again. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> one time a year, I really get to have fun. I know, right? <laughs> Oh, where we rarely see each other, though. Yeah. Leave your score predictions in the comments. <laughs> and let's hope that the off season doesn't get any crazier than this. And I just jinxed us so that it will. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling we're just getting started. It's it's barely the beginning of November. I right? Think, I think by Thanksgiving, we're all just going to be like, just waiting for that dinner so that we can all have five glasses of wine and take a nap. Cool. So the next big thing, aside from all this like small little stuff that happens, is going to be the NWSL draft. Yep, in which January. is happening in LA in January. In January, yeah. it's going to be on a Thursday, the day before the MLS draft. I think I, I will put be there. The actual date on my calendar. Yeah, we'll talk about it. It's, there's plenty of time, but I think I'm going to be there for the draft. I remember last year I fucked it up. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I thought that it was going to be on a Monday, and I was totally planning to go to Philly with you. Oh. And that was on a Thursday, and I was like, well, Don't fuck it up this time, because it's a short hop for you. Yeah, right? Down from Portland to LA. I'm staying with a friend, but, you know, it's always a good time when the two of us pair up. I have friends in LA. Okay, fine. You have, I'm not, you just, just calm down there. God. (laughs) It's, It's a competition. Yeah, we'll see you guys after the Romania friendly. (laughs) 
Uh, we'll, po- we'll podcast more often. I promise. Don't promise that. 